If you'll turn in your Bible to Acts chapter 26, we're going to be studying today about my gospel story, my gospel story. Uh, This has to do with the salvation story of the Apostle Paul. It is his testimony. There are three occasions in in the book of Acts where we read about Paul's conversion experience. And while everyone did not, has not had a Damascus-type road conversion experience, I hope you know what I mean by that. Uh, when we talk about the Damascus road, it's a dramatic turnaround. Uh, while every not, everyone has not experienced salvation that way, we all do have at least three areas of our testimony or our story that are common to the Apostle Paul. And today I want to talk about those three, those three areas. You might call these our three stages of faith. And I think you'll begin to recognize the, common, uh, the commonality that we have with the Apostle Paul, even though our salvation story may be more of a gradual awakening to the presence of God, uh, a wooing, a calling of the Holy Spirit, and then a final surrender to Christ as Savior and Lord. But the common theme in all of our stories is that we have decided to surrender our life to Jesus as our Savior and our Lord. Now, this coming week, uh, Lynn and I are going to be traveling to uh, <coughs> Hawaii. Uh, Hawaii this week. <laughs> and, um, oh, I just, it's just terrible over there. I'm telling you, it's just terrible. <laughs> you, you, you don't want to go. It's just terrible. Uh, it's crowded, it's expensive, all those terrible things. Um, and it's hot this time of year. But there are two very precious grandchildren over there uh, that, have, uh, that are waiting for us to see them. And, of course, we're going to see their mom and dad too, but um, we're especially going to see those two uh, grandchildren of ours. Now, next Sunday, whatever you're doing, don't miss next Sunday. And tell your friends to come. You're going to hear one of the best sermons you've ever heard in your life next Sunday. Uh, Kenny Rager is the speaker for next Sunday. Kenny Rager is an evangelistic strategist for the Kentucky Baptist Convention. And he is a fireball. He really is. And when I called him, I was praying, Lord, please um, arrange it so that Kenny would be available to come and speak. He lives in E-Town. He's just relocated from Owensboro to E-Town. And uh, he has been involved in the training of our pastors for a gospel to every home. And I'm telling you, whatever you do, don't miss next Sunday. I always like to get somebody to take my place that uh, will bless you and that you'll look forward to hearing. Uh, and so you're going to enjoy Kenny Rager, R-A-G-E-R, Kenny Rager, ne- next Sunday. He is a fireball. So if you're going to miss a Sunday, <clears throat> and I know everybody misses a Sunday during the summer, but don't miss next Sunday. Don't miss next Sunday. You'll be blessed by the message that he, that he brings. Today I want to begin with verse 12. I believe is our reading. Yes, verse 12 through 18. 
in Acts chapter 26 as we consider the gospel story of the Apostle Paul and our story as well. He says in verse 12, While thus engaged, I was journeying to Damascus with the authority and the commission of the chief priests. And at midday, O king, I saw on the way a light from heaven, brighter than the sun, shining all around me and those who were journeying with me. And when we had all fallen to the ground, I heard a voice saying to me in the Hebrew dialect, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? It is hard for you to kick against the goads. Let's stop there just a minute. Anybody have any idea what he's talking about here? To kick against the goads. Uh, this is a picture of plowing with oxen. Um, oxen need to be tamed. And in order to keep them contained, um, the plow would have on it some sharp edges so that if the oxen tried to escape, he would kick against these sharp edges, and it would hurt. And so instead of kicking against the goats, he would calm down, and uh, he would plow accordingly. So that's where this idea of kicking against the goats. Paul was in rebellion against God, and it wasn't profiting him anything. And it was painful to him. And that's what's common in our salvation story experience is that we've all rebelled against God and it has profited us nothing to rebel against God. In verse 15 he says, And I said, Who art thou, Lord? Here's the second commonality of our story with the Apostle Paul and it is called repentance. Repentance. Uh, repentance is coming to a place in life where we say, Lord, I surrender the control of my life to you. I change direction. And instead of going my way, I want to go your way, Lord. And so that change of direction, that 180 degrees of changing direction, is what the picture of repentance is all about. And that's the second common theme that we have in our gospel story with the Apostle Paul. And the Lord said... I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. Now, here it is very clear that Paul has been uh, unreconciled to God. He has been fighting all his life. He thought for God. He thought that he was doing God some good. But instead, he was persecuting very God, who is Jesus, by his actions. He was putting in prison those who were called Christians. He even uh, um, affirmed the death of Stephen. He voted that Stephen would be martyred. And so while Paul in his uh, zealous nature thought he was helping God, he was really persecuting the Christ. So in verse 16, But arise and stand on your feet for this purpose. I have appeared to you to appoint you a minister and a witness not only to these things which you have seen, but also the things in which uh, I will appear to you, delivering you from the Jewish people, from the Gentiles to whom I am sending you, to open their eyes so that they may turn from your darkness to light and from the dominion of Satan to God, in order that they may receive forgiveness of sins and an inheritance among those who have been sanctified 
by faith in me. The third common theme that we have with the Apostle Paul is called reconciliation. Reconciliation. That is our relationship to God through Jesus Christ and now our calling. That is now our ministry. That's what we are about going forward. Let's look at each of these three a little more closely. First one is rebellion. God created this world a moral creation. That's why we have the Ten Commandments. God has said to us, If you will obey my commandments, life will go well with you. You will be blessed. But if you rebel and you disobey my teaching or my commandments to you, life's going to be hard for you. Life's going to be painful. Life's going to hurt. Because the judgment of God is built into His created order. And when you and I disobey the laws of God, we find that we experience pain and suffering and uh, a break in our relationship, not only with God, but with other people as well. That's why this life is so painful. It's because we have all committed the sin of rebellion against God. And God is calling us back to Himself. He's calling us back to a love relationship with Him that will last for all of eternity. That's His desire for you. That's what God wants for you. But we have so many ways to continue to say no to God. Some of you listening to me right now are living in that no rebellion against God. You say, well, I'm, I've been a good person. I, I, I come to Sunday school. I, I come to church. I, I do this. I do that for God. How can I be in a rebellious relationship against God? And the truth is, God's been calling you to Himself, and you have come up with all kinds of reasons to say no. One of the ways we say no is, well, not right now, maybe later. Not right now, maybe later. And some of you, God's Holy Spirit has been calling you to Himself, and you reject Him, and you say, no, not right now, maybe later. Folks, anything but a yes is a no. Anything but a yes is a no. And we have a lot of creative ways to say no to God's call to follow Christ as our Savior and our Lord. And one of them is to say, not now, but later. Another way that we say no is that we say, God, um, when I get my act together, when I get my act together, when I get my life straightened out, then I'm going to follow Christ. I'm going to be baptized. I'm going to be a disciple of the Lord Jesus. I'm going to join the church. I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that. And the problem is, we never seem to get our act together. We never quite gain control of our life so that we can say, okay, now I've got my act together, I'm, I'm, I'm doing okay, and I'm ready to make my commitment to Christ. You will never get your act together by yourself. 
you will never correct your life in such a way that you align with God and you're right with God. That will never happen. And the more you try, the more elusive that goal becomes. It's just a little farther out ahead of you. It's just almost there. It's, a, it's, a, it's around the corner. It's going to come soon. My lottery number is going to come in soon. And the truth is, we always come up short. And that's the definition of sin. It's missing the target. It's coming up short. Never quite able to get our act together. Never quite able to be who we really want to be. And these are ways that we remain in rebellion against God. So the first stage of faith is to acknowledge that I am in rebellion. I've been saying no to God in so many creative ways. I've been putting Him off for some other day. I've been waiting to get my act together. Or a hundred other excuses that we have for saying no. We have all experienced that period of rebellion. Some of us here have taken the second step. And that is the step of repentance. Repentance means I'm willing to acknowledge my sin and now I turn to Christ Jesus as my Savior and my Lord. I trust Him. I believe what He did for me on the cross is all that's necessary for the forgiveness of my sin. I cannot earn this. I cannot buy this. There's nothing I can do to acquire this status with God. I can only by repentance, receive His gift of salvation. And some of you are right there right now. You are knocking on heaven's door. I don't mean that you're about to die like the song is back in the 60s, knock, knock, knocking on heaven's door. I mean that you are being called by God in such a way that you sense him saying, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. Some of you are sensing that right now. And you're hearing God say, I'm willing to come in and fellowship with you and you with me. I will abide in you and you will abide in me and we will have a whole new relationship for all of eternity. Some of you are right there right now. And if you're that person, I hope you'll take step number three. And it is called reconciliation. Reconciliation means I return to God and I'm now in a right relationship with God. That's what Paul had to do. He was willing to say, Lord, I'll go and do whatever you want me to do with my life. Can you imagine this guy who was such a, well, to put it plainly, he was a terrorist. Paul was a terrorist. And when he gave his life to the Lord, all that energy he had in rebellion became energy he had for reconciliation. His desire, number one, was for all of his family, all of his friends, to come to know Christ as Savior and Lord. That was his number one desire. He said in several places, I pray for all of Israel. I pray that all of Israel will come to know salvation from God. 
and his heart was broken because many would not. He took his message out into the uh, synagogues as he traveled on his missionary journeys. There were three missionary journeys that Paul was on. Timothy accompanied him starting with his second missionary journey. We have learned that last Sunday. And Paul would go to the synagogues. Now when he got to the synagogues, um, they would say, Oh, you're new in town. And uh, when you hear Paul speak, uh, he, he was quite an educated fellow. I mean, when, you can tell when a guy's had an education. When he begins to talk, he makes sense. People go, uh-huh, okay, this guy's got some education. Paul would just open his mouth, and, and smart things would come out, wise words would come out, and they would give him the scriptures and invite him to read. And Paul would open up to the book of Isaiah, and he'd read from Isaiah. And then he'd say, let me tell you what this means. This is about Jesus. This is about the suffering of the Messiah. And this is about the prophecy of the coming of the Messiah. And Jesus suffered these consequences and when he died on the cross for our sins. And he is the Messiah. And not only that, not only was he buried, but he was raised from the grave by the power of God. And we serve a God who raises the dead, he said. In the book of 2 Corinthians chapter 1, Paul talks about all of his journeys and missions and ministry to other people, and it cost him a great deal. It cost him a lot of affliction. He said, at one time I was at the point of death. We really thought we were going to die on the mission field. But he said, I was determined that I was not going to allow my sufferings to take the place of my calling, and I was not going to quit, and I was not going to give up. Because he said, we serve, listen to this, we serve the God who raises the dead. With that kind of confidence, he took his mission into the foreign mission field. He went to the synagogues and he preached. And he went to the Areopagus in Athens and he spoke to them about a God that they were worshiping. They didn't know the name of the God. They called a statue that they had erected uh, to an unknown God. And Paul said, let me tell you about this unknown God. He's the creator of the world. Number two, he has sent his son Jesus into this world to die for our sins. Number three, in Jesus Christ, all things are in existence. And he said, one of your uh, teachings even says, we live and move and have our being in him. We belong to him. We were created for a love relationship with holy God that lasts for all of eternity. And then he offers that. Now, folks, that was called reconciliation. And Paul said, we have this ministry now of reconciliation. We are to bring people back to God. We are to help people be restored in their relationship to Almighty God. Reconciliation. That was his calling. That was his purpose. Now, that took him to the Gentiles. And uh, eventually Paul was arrested. He was put into prison. Uh, they were about to stone him. And Paul said, you've arrested a guy that's a, a Roman. And they said, well, you know, we can try you here. Paul said, no, I appeal to Caesar. And they took him all the way to Rome through the prison system. And it was through the prison system that Paul preached the gospel of Jesus Christ. And people were reconciled to God through that prison system. So through the synagogues, as he preached on the Sabbath day, 
through the prison system as he was taken back to Rome, Paul preached reconciliation to God. So where are you now? Where do you live? And how is God using you in this ministry of bringing people back together with God? This ministry of reconciliation. Paul remembered very well that there's a huge, huge, huge dividing wall between the Gentiles and Israel. And he said that dividing wall has been broken down when Jesus Christ came and now the two can be friends again. We're still seeing today in the, uh, in the uh, uh, war effort between uh, Gaza and Israel, Hamas and Israel, we're still seeing that animosity being played out in the civilian world. And some say, well, we need a two-state solution. Some say we need another solution over here. The only solution is Christ. To bring the two back together to be united in the gospel. And I don't think that's going to happen in my lifetime. That will happen when Christ returns. Whenever that is. That may be today. That may be tomorrow. But the only Truth that will bring reconciliation to the Middle East is the truth of the gospel. So are you in stage one? Are you in stage two? Are you in stage three? Stage one is rebellion. You're saying no in the most creative ways. I invite you to move to stage two. Not to stay stuck in stage one. You see, the end result of stage one, Jesus talked about a place called death and hell. And when Jesus talked about that, he gave a parable. Jesus said there was this rich man, and when he died, he woke up in hell. And there's three things about hell that uh, we need to remember from that parable. Number one, nobody in hell is having a good time. Nobody in hell is having a good time. You see all these uh, cartoons about um, people in hell laughing and carrying on. Folks, nobody in hell is having a good time. That's what we learn from that story. The Bible says, as Jesus told the story of the rich man, he awoke in torment. If you stay in stage one, that's your future. God don't want that for you. Number two Everybody in hell wishes you not to come. There's nobody in hell that wants you to come there. One of the men, uh, the rich man who was in hell, and, he, and uh, while he was there, he begged uh, Moses to go and speak to his family and say, tell them about this place. Tell them the truth. There's coming a day of accountability. And tell them about this day of accountability. And they don't want to come here. Nobody here is having a good time. And we don't want anybody else to come here either. The third thing we learn about this place called death and hell is that there is no escape. There is no escape. 
The Bible says in the story about the rich man and Lazarus that there's a great gulf fixed between heaven and hell. And once you are there, you're there for all of eternity. Now as I tell you this today, I tell it to you as Jesus told it, meaning this is the Word of God. Believe it or not, this is the Word of God. Several months ago, I was down in Louisiana with my brother, and we were burning the limbs from our collection of debris. They've had two hurricanes and an ice storm. Can you imagine what our yard looked like? That little one squared off acre. And so we were gathering everything we could and burning it, and it really got hot. And I'm standing there looking at this flame that's taller than I am, and I said to my preacher brother, I hope there's not a hell. I hope there's not a hell. And to this day, I hope there's not a hell. But Jesus gave the parable. And he spoke of Gehenna. Gehenna was the dumpster place outside of Jerusalem. And there was fire burning there day and night, 24 hours a day. He said, that's Gehenna, that's hell. Jesus gave the parable of the rich man and Lazarus. And he told about these three truths that we've just discussed about hell. Number one, nobody there is having a good time. Number two, uh, nobody there wants you to come. And number three, once you're there, you're there. There's no escape. And God does not wish for you to be stuck in phase one of rebellion. He doesn't. He wants you to move to phase two, which is repentance. And by repentance, you're simply saying, A, I admit that I'm a sinner. B, I believe that Christ died for my sins. And C, I confess Christ as my Savior and my Lord. Now, does anybody know where those ABCs come from, where we teach those? Come on, you know. Vacation Bible School, that's right. Vacation Bible School. And it is the truth of the gospel that if you will admit your sin, believe in Christ, and confess Him as your Savior and Lord, you will be saved. So today we give an invitation for you to take a step from stage one to stage two and to say, I repent of my sin, I, I turn to Christ, and I want Him to be my Lord and my Savior. And if you're willing to do that, I want you to take a public stand today to make a true public profession of your faith by simply coming forward and sitting on the front row here. We'll pray with you and help you to make that commitment to Christ. Father, we thank you for the good news of the gospel because there is bad news. Bad news the world don't want to talk about. The bad news that the world would like to hide from. But Lord, you have given us victory over this bad news. By your death, by your burial, by your resurrection. And I pray today that someone will move from phase one to phase two. 
and say, I'm ready to repent of my sin and turn my life to Jesus. I'm tired of saying no. I'm tired of hiding out. I'm tired of being restless. I'm tired of losing sleep. And I want that peace that passes understanding. I want the assurance of life eternal. I pray they'll come right now while we sing. You've been listening to the Sunday morning worship service of the Ekron Baptist Church. You too can accept the eternal life offered by Jesus Christ. First, admit that you are a sinner. Then believe that Jesus Christ can forgive you of your sins and ask him to come into your heart and change your life. Then confess your faith in Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord. If you've made this decision today, write to us at the Akron Baptist Church, 2775 Hayesville Road, Akron, Kentucky, 40117. If you're looking for a church home, we invite you to be a part of our growing family with programs and Bible studies for all ages. Join us next Sunday at 11 a.m. for morning worship from the Akron Baptist Church. Until that time, may God bless.